This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, December 1st. I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, Telluride swears in new town council members, Telluride Town Council pulls back on proposed short-term rental restrictions, Telski gears up for Friday opening, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, the gondola from Telluride to Mountain Village was closed for about 30 minutes on Wednesday afternoon for maintenance at the Oak Street Station. According to the town of Mountain Village, the closure was for a routine replacement of a small part that needs to be replaced from time to time. The town says there were no evacuations or injuries as a result of the closure. Telluride has a new town council filled with some new and not-so-new faces. On Tuesday, four newly elected members were sworn in for four-year terms. Incumbents Jesse Ray Arguez and Geneva Shawnette were re-elected this past November, and Dan Enright and Mian Fee won elections for their first terms on council. Town Clerk Tiffany Cavanaugh ran the ceremony at Tuesday's meeting. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I insert your name. I'm Mian Fee. I, Jesse Ray Arguez. Dan Enright. Geneva Shawnette. Do you swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States? Do you swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States? The Constitution of the State of Colorado. The Constitution of the State of Colorado. The laws of the State of Colorado. The laws of the State of Colorado. And the Home Rule Charter. And the Home Rule Charter. And ordinances of the town of Telluride, Colorado. And the ordinances, ordinances of, of the town of Telluride, Telluride Colorado. Colorado. And will faithfully perform the duties. And will faithfully perform the duties of the office of town council person of the office of town council person upon which i'm about to enter upon which i'm about to enter to the best of my ability to the best of my ability thank you shortly after the new council unanimously elected jesse ray arguez to serve as mayor pro tem here's arguez speaking shortly before the vote i build bridges where many burn them and my agenda is simple it is to implement the most amount of good for the most amount of people Remote participation was one of the new council's first items of discussion. Since March 2020, council has been meeting over Zoom. But with newly installed equipment, they plan to conduct hybrid meetings moving forward, with council and town staff in person and the public participating remotely. However, council decided members can participate in up to four meetings remotely over the year. But they also agreed they should aim to be at all meetings in person if possible. Here's Town Clerk Tiffany Cavanaugh during discussion. This is not intended for if council members are just at home and they don't feel like coming into council chambers. We realize that life happens. You're going to be away. You're going to be on a trip. You have a good reason. There's a health reason for you to be away. That's the intention of this, that most meetings should be in person, unless you have a really good reason to not be in person. A council member can't be removed for violating those rules, But town attorney Kevin Geiger notes council members are expected to follow them. Council unanimously approved the new procedural rules. Short-term rentals were a hot topic of discussion this past election. But just because November is in the rearview mirror doesn't mean STR regulation is a thing of the past. This week, the town of Telluride passed a first reading of an ordinance to tighten penalties and enforcement for violations of short-term rental business licenses. We're not talking about uh, individual owner use of that unit or allowing their friends to use it or their relatives to use it. 
nor are we looking at long-term rental restrictions. This is just the town business license that's required to have a short-term rental use. Again, that's 29 days or less. That's town attorney Kevin Geiger discussing the ordinance with town council at their meeting on Tuesday. The ordinance covers several types of violations. One of the most serious, but also rare violations, Geiger notes, is operating an STR without any licensing. The reason we think that's pretty serious is because that indicates either fairly significant disregard for what is in the municipal code right now, or wanton evasion of those provisions. And then you look at the town losing tax revenue. That would be punishable by a fine of up to $1,000 per day for each required license and could result in permanent ineligibility to ever get a short-term rental business license. The ordinance also outlines minimum fines for other less serious STR business license violations, ranging from $250 for a first violation to $1,000 for a third. Uh, Again, it could be per day, so those $1,000 fines could add up day by day. And then also in that third violation, you have to go talk to the judge at that point in time. That's the proposed language. It would be a summons into court, and there could be a suspension of that STR license for 12 months. Anyone making false or misleading statements in their license application would also have their license suspended for between six months and two years. The ordinance also specifies the business owner would have to forfeit any revenue made illegally through violations to the town. Geiger says the town has already been doing that through different authority, but the ordinance would codify it. That concept you'll see uh, repeatedly in laws around the country, that someone shouldn't get enriched by a violation of a statutory provision. Council passed the first reading of new penalties and enforcement for short-term rental business license violations unanimously. Much of the STR discussion, however, focused on a separate part of the ordinance, which would have limited the number of short-term rental business licenses a person or corporate entity can have to one. Several members of the public were against the proposed restriction. Elaine Schradel has rented units in town for over three decades. There is a difference between people who live in Telluride and those who are out-of-state investors. Our clientele at the fall line is the budget middle-class families, as well as young adults who grew up here and parents of locals. Jim Lucarelli, president of the Telluride Association of Realtors, and Macy Bryan also spoke during public comment. Removing properties out of the short-term rental pool is not going to solve our workforce housing problem. This is a campaign that has been run on zero facts, zero studies to support it. It is fueling the fear, and more decisively, it's fueling the hatred that exists in our community today. Dictating the one permit per person is unfair discrimination against certain people who have worked really hard to acquire real estate here lawfully. And I think that it doesn't accomplish a goal of providing affordable housing for anyone. Concern about taking away licenses from people who already have them was common among those who spoke during public comment. Several people also felt council was moving too quickly and that the passage of Question 2D this past election, which capped short-term rental licenses and doubled business license fees for short-term rental businesses, was the public saying it wanted a pause to study STRs before taking further action. The vast majority of comment was against the one license per person rule, 
Councilmember Geneva Shawnette, however, says there are other concerns from the community that weren't voiced during public comment. People that we haven't been hearing from a lot on this meeting, but that I've heard a lot from offline are that the community doesn't want to feel like the residential units of the community are monopoly pieces that are being collected by individuals for investment on properties that are zoned residential, not commercial. Mayor Pro Tem Jesse Ray Arguez is concerned about the unintended consequences a limit could have, especially if it reduces the total number of STR licenses in circulation. And then the demand remains the same, but the supply is less. How do we control inflation, which will most definitely make Telluride more exclusive rather than inclusive? So like this is a really big thing. And if our goal is to get people in beds, are we going about it in the right way? Ultimately, council decided to scrap the limit and instead passed a first reading of an ordinance to implement requirements to collect more data to study short-term rentals and license ownership further. With daytime temperatures in the 40s and 50s and bluebird skies, last month the Telluride Ski Resort delayed its opening day by a little more than a week pushing it back from Thanksgiving Day to Friday, December 3rd. Since then, there still hasn't been much snow, but Brandon Green has been busy with his team of snowmakers. He's Telski's director of snowmaking operations, and as Friday approaches, he says things look good. You know, we have top to bottom skiing on lift four. It is wall to wall. It's full depth. You're not going to hit any rocks out there. Green spoke about the opening day preparations on KOTO on Tuesday. The Grano Beach is getting all tuned up. It's an amazing amphitheater right now. The park guys are out there putting the finishing touches on the train park that's just above. So I feel really good about what we're going to open with. It's about 50 acres or so. The meadows, he says, will also be up. The full boat meadows, as well as um, we haven't really ever opened with double cabins before from the parking structure in Mount Village down. But um, that looks like a sure thing as well. And that freshly made snow is getting prepped for the first chair at 9 a.m. on Friday. The first corduroy passes were getting laid uh, last night and this morning, and I guess they look pretty good. Looking ahead beyond opening day, Green says his snowmaking team will do everything they can over the next few weeks, whether it snows or not. You know, our next kind of areas of focus are Boomerang and Lower Misty, like I said, to get people spread out within the four area. And then our big focus is going to be on the loop. So getting in and out of lift five and up on lift six and see forever all the way back into the four area. Daytime temps might feel like springtime temps, but ski season is coming. And Brandon Green and his snowmakers are making sure the white stuff is there from Friday onward. State health officials say that despite a slight decline in the number of people who have tested positive for COVID-19, they fear the new Omicron variant could change that. The state has detected no cases of the new variant in Colorado or in the U.S. as of Tuesday. However, Dr. Rachel Herlihy, the state's epidemiologist, said at a news conference that there's still much experts don't know. Officials are using three methods to detect the virus— including one that monitors wastewater to find virus particles in feces. This method can detect the virus in the community even if individuals are showing no symptoms. The Colorado Sun reported that toilets across the Front Range have served as an early warning system for outbreaks of the virus. 
Other methods include testing at state and private laboratories and genetic sequencing. Tuesday, over 1,460 people were hospitalized with COVID-19 in Colorado, which is a slight decrease. Scott Bookman, the state's incident commander, said that the safest thing a person can do is to get the vaccine and wear a mask when in indoor public spaces. Callie Baylor-Jean works next to a corner full of toys. There's some stuffed animals, there's a skateboard, there's a, a scooter. We could definitely use more, but pretty good start so far. Baylor Jean is the administrative assistant for the Telluride Marshals Department. Those toys are payments for parking tickets. Yes, that's right. This holiday season, anyone who owes the town of Telluride money for a parking ticket can instead bring a toy of equal or greater value to the Marshals Department to clear their slate. Those toys will go to Angel Baskets, which will distribute them across the community later this month. Toys must be new and unwrapped, and you must also bring a receipt and your parking ticket. The program runs through December 10th. Beyond that, you cannot donate any more toys to the cause. Tis the season to spread a little joy by paying off your parking tickets. The Colorado Department of Transportation is teaming up with Uber to offer ride credits in an effort to reduce impaired driving across the state. Use the code HOLIDAYSAFE, all capital letters and no spaces, to get a $15 credit on the ride-hailing app. The credits are available on a first-come, first-served basis to anyone in the state and must be redeemed from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. In a press release, CDOT notes 11 people were killed on Colorado roads over the Thanksgiving holiday, that's the highest number of fatalities since 2008. According to preliminary data, the department says most of those fatal crashes involve drugs or alcohol. The head of Colorado's Department of Transportation says the state will not get as much of a boost from the recently passed federal infrastructure package as the White House is advertising. KOTO Scott Franz as more. CDOT Director Shoshana Liu says the Biden administration is claiming the bill will send $3.7 billion to Colorado. But Liu says that's deceiving because it includes money the state already has. And when that is factored in, the impact is only projected to be $900 million. You know, in total, this still leaves Colorado getting a much lesser proportional share than other states. And, you know, unfortunately, this is evident across these allocations. Still, Lou told lawmakers the money will help the state tackle some bigger projects, including maintenance on the Eisenhower-Johnson tunnels. They are also planning to improve a detour around Glenwood Canyon as soon as next summer. She says these projects will be able to get done faster thanks to a new state law raising money from new fees on deliveries and gas. I'm Scott Franz in Denver. For a lot of people in and around Telluride, one of the top issues on their minds is housing. And it's not just an issue for San Miguel County. KOTO has partnered with multiple stations in the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition to report a series of stories looking at economic mobility through housing to understand how the challenges and possible solutions are playing out across the region. Today, we're heading north. When the town of Crested Butte declared a housing emergency last summer, it opened the door to new and unique solutions. 
The first action item on the new list was to purchase a local bed and breakfast that was then converted to housing for seasonal workers. Converting hotels to create housing isn't new, but it's a trend that's growing in rural mountain communities. Stephanie Maltrich reports for KBUT in Crested Butte. On June 7th, the town of Crested Butte declared a local disaster emergency in response to the affordable housing crisis. It was the first of its kind among mountain communities in the West, where shortages continue to put stress on local workforces. Declaring a housing emergency allowed for a creative housing solution. The Ruby is a former bed and breakfast. It's a six-unit bed and breakfast. They're actually really nice rooms, uh, queen-size beds with their own private bathrooms, but they have a shared kitchen. And that shared kitchen sort of convinced us that this would be perfect for a seasonal housing program. Troy Russ, Crested Butte's Community Development Director, says the town looked into purchasing the Ruby prior to declaring an emergency order. But they quickly realized local zoning regulations would make it a challenge. Right now, this is in the tourist zone district. The congregate housing wasn't allowed at the time, so we wanted to get this going. So the emergency order allowed us to work with the housing authority to start occupying it. The town will now clean up the zoning and go formally through our Board of Zoning and Architecture approval this spring to get it formally occupied. Willa Williford is a workforce and affordable housing consultant based in Crested Butte. She's worked in rural and resort communities across the Mountain West for about six years. Over the past year, Williford has seen a surge in hotel conversions. One of the things I love about these motel conversions is that you can effectuate them quickly. And they're environmentally conscious, so you're just repurposing an asset that exists. And with how expensive labor and construction materials are, and everything it takes to get something new built, this is a really elegant solution. While Williford commends the idea, she also sees zoning as one of the biggest roadblocks. These motels exist in zones that were commercial or intended for tourism. And so when they're switching to a long-term rental, the underlying zoning may not allow that. Could we be more flexible about the zoning? Do we really need everything to be zoned to prohibit residential use? Hotel conversions can also be costly if buildings need extensive renovations. In these cases, Williford says it's hard to keep the rental prices affordable. Cities and counties aren't the only entities purchasing hotels to convert into housing. In Bozeman, Montana, Brian Geyer is the housing director for the Human Resource Development Council, a nonprofit that provides a variety of assistance programs to people living in southwest Montana. Geyer says the housing outlook in the surrounding area is dire to say the least, and HRDC realized they need to do something different in response to the post-pandemic housing issues. And one of the ways that we did respond was we bought a hotel. To comply with city codes, HRDC did not put the hotel to its intended use right away, but still benefited those in need of housing last year. So for the short term, what we did was effectively operate it as a hotel with little to no fees. And so for the first year, it was very useful to us as housing for our over 65 and medically vulnerable population. Crested Butte is one of many mountain communities that is thinking outside the box when it comes to housing. The town of Eagle converted a hotel to micro-apartments in 2018. In June, Summit County signed a one-year lease with a Frisco hotel that will house workers this winter. 
and Steamboat Springs City Council and Planning Commission just approved two separate hotel projects that will serve as temporary workforce housing. Troy Russ admits the dormitory-style living is not for everyone. Residents of the Ruby are required to agree to basic rules, such as no overnight guests, no drugs, and no Super Bowl-like parties in the living room. And some people see these rules as inconvenient. It's also a drop in the bucket, providing six bedrooms compared to the hundreds that are needed. Yet, Russ sees the Ruby as one solution to the housing crisis that more than ever requires a quiver of solutions. We just recognize that building your way out of it is not necessarily the only way you can address it. So we have a number of things. And fortunately, this bed and breakfast came online. We had the resources to buy it, and maybe it'll provide housing without adding impact on our community. Seasonal restaurant workers started moving into the Ruby on August 1st. And as of mid-October, the seven rooms were fully occupied for the winter season. For KBUT and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Stephanie Malterich. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-20s. Thursday expects sunny skies with a high in the mid-50s. Thursday night should be mostly clear with a low around freezing. Friday calls for mostly sunny skies with a high around 50 degrees. Friday night expect mostly clear skies with a low around 30 degrees. This has been the news for Wednesday, December 1st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Grocery prices can be so frightful. Food Rx is so delightful. And since we know healthy food heals, let's give meals, let's give meals, let's give meals. Colorado Gives Day is approaching. Help folks go healthy shopping. We all know how good it feels. Let's give meals, let's give meals, let's give meals. Give the gift of healthy living through support that you are giving. New habits will help them heal. Let's give meals, let's give meals, let's give meals. Tips and tricks for finding food that will surely lift up your mood. Choose from special package deals. Let's give meals, let's give meals, let's give meals. It only takes a small donation to build a healthy foundation. Any money you give is ideal. Let's give meals, let's give meals, let's give meals. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.